Hi, everyone, and welcome to the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg, and I'm your host. In our first edition, we're going to listen to an interview I did with Stefan Hoppe, the president of the OPC Foundation. Stefan is going to set the direction of this new podcast. He'll tell us what OPC is, what the OPC Foundation does, how to become a member. He'll give us a quick insight into the technology, and he'll talk about collaborations with other international organizations. Many other topics, including why he decided to start broadcasting a podcast. About myself, I've been involved in making OPC technology known to the world for the last 10 years, and I've been on the road with Stefan and most of the other folks I will be talking to in one of the future podcast editions. And now, without further ado, let's listen to what Stefan has to say to us. Hello, Stefan. Thanks for joining. How are you? Hey, Peter. Good morning. I'm fine. And uh, thank you for having me here as a first guest on the OPC Foundation podcast. You're welcome. Stefan, tell us, what is OPC? Who is it for and why should one care? Well, today, the acronym OPC stands for Open Platform Communications. And uh, OPC is an interoperability standard, which allows a secure and reliable data exchange in the area of industrial automation, but, but also other industries. So OPC is a completely independent platform, which allows to seamlessly move data and information along multiple devices from different vendors. It scales from sensor to cloud. That's why you should take care on because it's a key for Industry for Zero and how to make data available in the world. And what then is and what is the role of the OPC Foundation? The foundation takes care on, on the specifications. We develop and maintain the specification, but we also, of course, provide mechanisms to ensure the quality with labs, with, with test tools. But we also collaborate with a lot of other associations because we only provide the mechanisms how to move data and we have partnerships with a lot of other associations defining the what to exchange. So in, in a short description, the OPC Foundation, we are feeling a little bit like the United Nations of automation. And our goal is to stay completely independent, uh, that not one big vendor can define the way, uh, what to do. It's democratic. Uh, the, the board members are each year democratic, elected half of the board members. So you, you can't buy in by money and so on. We, we want to completely be independent, taking care of this standard. The United Nations of Automation, that's not a small thing you're going for. It's almost like kind of John F. Kennedy's man on the moon vision, if I may make that comparison. Uh, from my personal 10 years with Intel in the 1990s, I learned that having a vision is great, but having a mission, an understanding of how to get there, at least as important. How can you as an organization accomplish such a huge goal? Well, first of all, you need to, dis to define a goal which everybody in the world can easily agree on. And, and then, of course, you need a critical mass of, of companies to support this. And The easy vision of the OPC Foundation is to provide a standard where users, vendors, consortia define a mechanism to transfer data from multi-vendors 
multi-platforms in a secure and reliable way for the area of industrial automation. And that has to scale in different areas. So that's an easy to understand goal because everybody understands the benefits. And uh, second, of course, you have to keep the organization independent, that nobody believes this is just an organization from a specific company, driven by a specific company. And so acting independent is the key of, of calling ourselves being the United Nations of Automation. Yeah, we, we feel like being the neutral ground where everybody can meet easily. Can you give us a little insight into the history of the OPC standard? Why and how did it come to market? How old or how young is OPC and which have been the major milestones? I don't want to talk a lot of the history, but, but I can tell you a secret. So OPC at the beginning was the name for only for process control because at the beginning in 1990 areas, it, it was skater companies who had to write a lot of proprietary drivers to, to connect to PLC controllers. And, and so the idea was born, let's take the Microsoft COM DCOM printer driver concept to have a standardized access to the upper North port and have a proprietary last mile to all the different uh, printers and, and, and to all the PLC controllers. That was the born of OPC Classic, what we call Classic today. It provided live data, alarms, historical data. It was massively successful. We have a broad adoption inside the industry. But of course, we recognize later on, we need to be platform independent. We have to integrate security. We need service-oriented architecture mechanism inside. And that's why we started in 2003 to 2006, separating services from data. And so this was the born of OPC UA, And UA stands for Unified Architecture. So we unified everything together into one spec, into one architecture, not one spec. And then we validated everything. We made prototyping. And at least in 2008, uh, OPC UA was released. And since then, we have products on the market. And there's no compatibility break till today. So today's applications, a cloud application, can even connect to their devices from 2007 And OPC UA today is a complete technology independent from operating system, independent uh, from vendors, and it has security built in by design. That's really important to understand. Who are your members? Are they companies? Are they big, small? Are they individuals or institutions? And what countries are they from? All kind of companies, all kind of areas in the world. Uh, I believe that OPC is the largest ecosystem for industrial interoperability worldwide. It's very small companies, it's, but also the, the big giants of the market. It's providers of technology, it's end users. I mentioned Samsung, Volkswagen joining the OPC Foundation. Uh, status today, we have more than 700 members worldwide in all regions in the world. And in summary, we have, so analysts say we have more than 50 plus million applications worldwide. Um, so it's, it's a huge ecosystem. Statistics say that 50% of our members are in Europe and around 25 in US and Asia. But I see that Europe and Asia are very quick growing. What would you say is the, is a major driver for this difference in uh, acceptance across the global markets? Well, in, in Europe, we had this initiative uh, called Industry for Zero, which is named in a couple of countries with different names, but it's all about 
um, how to make workflows more efficient, how to get data. Industry for Zero has a huge, for, for, it's starting from how to design a product over the whole life cycle to the end of a product. OPC UA is more covering how to connect during production phase of the, the live data. But the idea is easy to understand. You need something like a USB connector for machines, which allows you to reduce engineering costs and which provides you standardized data. So the benefit of having OPC UA in, in a device, in a machine, and then being able to connect this machine within 10 minutes only to, to SAP MAS or Microsoft Azure, to just name two of them, is easy to understand. And that's exactly why end users like Volkswagen, Samsung, Miele, and others joined the foundation because they understood this, this big benefit. And yeah, that's a key value to drive. Tell us a little bit about the technology behind the OPC standard. Yeah, that's uh, not easy to explain, and and we we should we will have definitely a separate podcast on that. But I, I will explain that in in three blocks. And first of all, we have to understand OPC UA is not another protocol. We have so many, we don't need another one. But in a today's world, I believe protocols are not really the high value. What the value is to exchange information and have the meaning of the information. So first of all, with OPC UA, you are describing and model the data and interfaces your machine and device should expose via live data, historical data, alarms, and so on. And then second below in the OPC UA framework, we have different communication mechanisms built in already by design. Client server is one, publisher subscriber is another one. But these are still independent from the real protocol below. And this is then the layer below where we have the real protocol binding layer. And there we are using OPC over TCP or HTTPS, or but also UDP or MQTT or whatever other protocol is coming in the future. And here you see really the benefit because you are defining data and information, and these are even available in a couple of years, even when OPC is extending the protocol mechanisms to support more endpoints for protocols for, for more use cases, right? So designing data is key, but of course, security is built in by design, not just for the transport layer, it's it's also for who is allowed to access what kind of data, how do I manage a big factory, how do I do discovery and certificate management automatically. So you see OPCA is much more than just a protocol, and that's why we we are not comparing OPCA. Should I use OPCA or MQDT? No, we are even using MQDT inside our our architecture. But this allows us to to move standardized data up into cloud scenarios. As a standard, how do you make sure providers of the OPC technology stick to the rules? Do you certify their products? How does that work? OPC Foundation at the beginning started as a community of vendors. And so we have tools, for example, the CTT tool, which OPC members can get, but even you don't have to be a member, you can pay a little bit higher price and you can also uh, buy that tool, which allows, I believe today, 2000 test cases. And you can run it against your, your product to prepare yourself to deliver a higher quality. But also, of course, we have uh, labs in different regions in the world to test your product. You can even participate and sit next to the test lab engineer. 
And we do multiple tests to different products and stability tests over 36 hours, looking for memory consumption and, and much more. So yeah, we, we have exactly that mechanisms. What about collaborations with other international organizations? Why would other organizations be interested in working with you? What is it that you have to offer? Well, the other, other associations have the domain-specific knowledge. Uh, they know about a robot or an injection molding machine or a coffee machine. This is not the specific knowledge of the OPC Foundation. We are able to move data in a secure way and scale that from sensor to cloud. And so it's a perfect win-win situation. Let's say it in easy words. Um, the, the OPC Foundation provides the technology how to exchange data and information in a secure way, and, and our partners define the what. They define really the vocabulary of data and interfaces that all robots have the same parameters and the same interfaces and have the same meaning providing out of their robots, as an example. You mentioned one or two, but... What other maybe companion specifications exist today? Are you planning new collaborations? Can members or other folks initiate collaborations? Well, that's multiple questions. First of all, we have today about 52 collaborations. All of them are public documented. They are on the web. You can download a PDF. You see who is responsible, who is running a group. You can just contact him to become a member, an active member, or just a listening member and, and reviewing protocols And so you know what's going on. And, of course, I can't list them all here, but just to name a few more, we have in, in United States the initiative by the MDIS organization about standardization in the oil and gas area. We have in Europe... The VDMA supporting today more than 20 companion specifications because they are the European largest association in the world of mechanical engineering industry. And that covers robotics, injection molding machines and, and more. But we also in, in areas like the pharmaceutical industry with open SCS in the tobacco industry, we are in the energy in or generic topics which are independent from a market like asset management. But we also have commercial kitchen equipment. That's also where you need uh, standardized data in commercial kitchens. How to start an initiative is a little bit, um, depends a little bit because everybody in the world can write a companion specification. So you, you go to the OPC web, you download the documents and you start filling the documents. And so you expose, okay, I want to model like a coffee machine. Well, we had that already, but you can do it on your own if you want. And then it's your own companion spec, your, your company-driven companion spec. The OPC Foundation tries to do collaborations with other associations. And then we need a memorandum, and then we do a call for participation that we provide all compliance rules. The idea really is to work with associations in the world to have a broader acceptance and a broader adoption in the world. Towards the end of last year, you introduced the field-level communications group. Can you tell us a little bit about this major initiative? Yeah, this initiative was very important to integrate uh, under the roof of the OPC Foundation because it's extending the vision of OPCUA for the independent, secure move of information from sensor to cloud in a way to address all requirements of industrial automation and process automation also. And with all, we mean explicitly also the deterministic communication which we want to establish in future with TSN, 
time-sensitive network and, and also 5G in future, but also functional safety and motion. And these three topics, deterministic communication, functional safety and, and motion, are of course, as always, options which you can enable in case you need deterministic communication, for example, between two controllers out of different ecosystems. I believe safety will be delivered earlier because we started inside the OPC Foundation this working group early. And for the TSN and also 5G, this will take more time because it's really highly complex to handle all these topics to configure a network of TSN-enabled devices in the same way, which means time synchronization and so on. Uh, so this will not be something available within a year or something like that. I even can't give you a real good uh, roadmap here. Is there anything else that is or has been in the news that you would like to share with our listeners? Well, I'm, I'm traveling a lot around the world. Right now, I was just at the Emo trade show in Hanover last week. And uh, that was amazing because within just one year, it, it was so amazing. Within just one year, 70 companies around the world from 10 countries, not, not Europe only. It was United States. It was China. It was Japan, Taiwan, everywhere. They came together. They agreed on vocabulary. Uh, what data do we want to exchange? And they called it this initiative UMATI, Universal Machine Tool Interface. And at the trade show, 110 machines and 28 software packages from these 70 companies out of 10 countries connected and were showing and exposing their data in the semantic identical way. So you saw big dashboards and you could navigate into 110 machines. That was a huge success, and I truly believe we will hear more from that in the future. Well, the, the news, a little bit looking to the future, what, what I like to share is, remember, if we are writing now companion specifications with a lot of partners for a lot of machines in different markets in the world, and if you see this kind of companion specification like, like a book, describing this machine. It's like, which interfaces do you have? What is the meaning of the data? What is the behavior of the machine? Then you, at the end, have a huge number of books. And so the OPC Foundation then becomes the world library of description of industrial devices and, and industrial things. That's exactly what's, what's happening right now. And so Definitely, there is a lot of overlap because a robot needs an MES interface. A robot needs an overall efficiency data. A robot might have, in future, a power management interface and a lot of more. And, and this is also something what other machines need, not only in factory automation, but also in the area of process automation. And so harmonizing all these data and interfaces, that's definitely something what the OPC Foundation takes care on. We started a new working group. And all of these companion spec groups deliver their information, what they believe is critically important also for others. And we already created a platform, an online library, that you don't have to go into the library and buy a book. Of course, everything is today electronic available. So you can go to the OPC web, you can navigate into this online library and figure out, okay, there a group has already worked on something, I can I can use parts of that. And and the OPC Foundation again helps to harmonize this and to make results better. So this is for me really critically important because I truly believe in future we will have automatic code generators using this online library, uh, for example, for 
uh, artificial intelligence to have standardized data um, and and know exactly what the data mean. Okay, we're getting to the end, Stefan. Tell us, why did you decide to start running a podcast? Oh, in, in earlier years, when, when we were young, there were only books and we, we had to read books. Today, the world is much more colored. Uh, we are using videos or YouTube, OPC YouTube channel, but also we are listening to, to interesting topics, I think has a high value. And that's why we decided to go also on this channel, not only visual, but also audio now. And we want to provide a good overview and involve multiple international experts to cover different areas. So we do deep dives into technology. How does it work? What is the protocol binding? Uh, but also security have different talks. We want to report about all these collaborations in a deeper way or how, how you should start if, if you want to get more involved. We let end users talk what their experience is. So there are a lot of ideas which we have in our mind. And yeah, that's why I'm looking forward here to this podcast channel. Looking forward to as well. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times, Stefan, that uh, listeners that want to get more information can go to the OPC Foundation website. Maybe there are some listeners that have a proposal for a topic at the podcast. Maybe they're interested in appearing on the OPC podcast. Maybe they want to become a member of the OPC Foundation or, or otherwise contact us and give us feedback. What is the best way for them to do that? Well, the, the landing page of the OPC Foundation is definitely a good good starting point. It's opcfoundation.org. And there you find all kind of information. You can download brochures about OPCA technology. You get a link to all the YouTube videos. You have an overview on all the events which are international in the somewhere, maybe also in your region. So that, there's a lot of information you find. Of course, obviously, the, the member benefits being part and getting early insights. Overall, I believe this is the biggest benefit to be a member because we once a specification is released, everything is public available anyway. We have public source code as open source. We have specifications public available. You, you can buy certification tools. But if you want to have insights, what's going on and what's influencing my world within the next two, three years, then you should become a member because then you have exactly the early insights. And of course, yeah, that's a good idea. So if, if, you, if you want to have dedicated topics um, to be covered here, why not get in contact to us? Please send an email to office at opcfoundation.org and uh, let's stay in contact. Stefan, thank you very much for the interview. We will uh, put the URL of the website and also the email address you just mentioned uh, into the podcast notes for those of you who want to contact us. It was great to have you with us today. Looking forward to maybe have you on the show again in the near future. Thanks again and have a wonderful day and good luck with the OPC Foundation. Thank you, Peter. Bye-bye. Okay, so you obviously enjoyed this coming as far as you did. We will be doing a monthly edition of the OPC Foundation podcast. Amongst others, we'll be talking to Christopher Anhal from Softing about markets and use cases. With Uwe Steinkraus from Unified Automation, we'll go into more detail into the technology. Joni Ari from Process in Finland will tell us how to get started. With Derek Kominek from Honeywell, based in Canada, we'll talk about security. With Eric Bonstadt from Microsoft about vertical integration to IT and the cloud. 
and with Chris Munch from C Labs about user scenarios. Also, in each edition, we'll see to it that we get one or the other news topic. If you like what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news. Looking forward to have you with us again. Bye bye.